1915, a young bank messenger from London named Gus Dewson joined up, little knowing that he would soon travel to France, Belgium, Macedonia, Egypt and Palestine. He would be wounded three times and carry the scars for the rest of his life. My name is John Pope. I'm a volunteer speaker with the Commonwealth War Graves Commission and I have an interest in the ordinary men and women who served in extraordinary times. Who were they? Where did they come from? What did they do before the war? And why did they join up? Some were volunteers and some were conscripts. Some had the time of their lives, while others were scarred mentally and physically or simply failed to return home. They weren't all heroes and they weren't all decorated. But for most, war at home and abroad was an experience which shaped them and changed them. Drawing on books, official records, internet resources and personal recollections from friends and families, I've pieced together just some of the stories of those who served. Join me in this episode to learn more about Rifleman Gus Dewson, the 16th London Regiment, the Queen's Westminster Rifles. Augustus Charles Dewson was born on Christmas Day 1896 in West Ham, London. His father and mother, Thomas and Emily, had moved to London from their family homes in Norfolk and Lincolnshire. Thomas's family had been publicans in King's Lynn and Emily's father an engine driver on the London North Eastern Railway. Thomas worked as a commercial clerk, firstly at the Baltic Exchange and later at Wilkinson Hepworth, a paint and varnish manufacturers. During the 1890s, Thomas and Emily lost two children, Frank and Leonard, both dying before the age of two. Although they had two surviving older children, Harry and Daisy, family history suggests that Thomas and Emily were unable to look after their newborn baby. So young Gus was sent to live with his aunt Ada and uncle Charles, Emily's brother and sister-in-law, who had no children of their own. This might have been due to simple economic necessity, sharing the cost of raising four children amongst two related families, a practice which was not uncommon at the time. The other reason may have been the strong correlation between losing a child and later postnatal depression, and perhaps Emily simply felt unable to care for a newborn infant. Postnatal depression was poorly understood, recognised or diagnosed at the turn of the last century, and there was little support available for mothers or fathers. Charles Wigfall was a draper who lived near Finsbury Park and Gus lived with him and Aunt Ada until he was seven years old. By then his mother Emily had had another child, a younger brother, Leslie, and the Dewson family moved to Shakespeare Crescent in East Ham. Gus and his siblings were educated locally at the Kensington Mixed Board School, which still operates as a primary school today. Gus left school at 14 and was considered the brightest in his family, at least from an academic perspective. He was also a keen sportsman and enjoyed athletics. He joined Barclays Bank in 1912, first as a messenger boy, which required him to race about the streets of the city from branch to branch, delivering notes and paperwork, 
and then in the spring of 1914 he was engaged to the Angel Court branch as a clerk on a weekly salary of 22 shillings or approximately 90 pounds a week in today's terms according to the Bank of England inflation calculator. When war started, Gus's elder brother Harry had joined up immediately. We heard the story of Harry Dewson's war in Season 1, Episode 2, which is still available on the Those Who Served website. Harry's difficult experience in Flanders was not lost on Gus, but his decision to enlist was influenced by an incident at a bus stop in Poplar in the summer of 1915. At the time, Gus wrote, I was waiting for the bus when two women approached. The elder of the two asked, Why are you not in uniform? Before I could speak, she thrust a feather at me, and the younger woman laughed and said, Not much of a man. Perhaps inspired by the book The Four Feathers by A.E.W. Mason, in which the protagonist Harry Feversham is given a white feather by three army peers and his fiancée when he resigns his commission in the Sudan in the 1880s, the Order of the White Feather was established by Admiral Charles Penrose Fitzgerald in Folkestone shortly after the war began. Fitzgerald supported conscription, and by mid-1915 the flood of early volunteers had slowed. His idea to pin a white feather to the lapel of a man in civilian clothes spread rapidly through the country. Small groups of women in high streets, trams, theatres and parks accosted men and accused them variously of being shirkers, cowards and lacking backbone. Some argued that it had the desired effect, galvanising men to join up. Kitchener supported the sentiment, if not the approach, whilst Emmeline Pankhurst, the suffragette, and writer Mary Augusta Ward were high-profile participants. However, the order had its many critics, and others felt that often the wrong men were targeted. Examples included Seaman George Sansom, who was given a white feather as he travelled to a reception in his honour to receive the Victoria Cross, as a reward for his bravery at Gallipoli. Veteran Reuben Farrow was challenged to do his bit for king and country by a lady on a tram, and in reply he held up the stump of his missing hand, lost due to shell fire on the Western Front. So to protect civilian workers, by 1916, Home Secretary Reginald McKenna introduced a series of badges for king and country, issued to factory staff and those in reserved occupations. And by September 1916, the Silver War badge was issued to all service men and women who'd been wounded whilst on active duty. Indeed, it was often known as the Wound Badge. These badges were named and numbered and were unique to the wearer. A photograph of a Silver War badge can be seen on the episode extras page of the Those Who Served website. The order of the White Feather continued into the later years of the war, despite increasing public feeling against it, and even re-emerged briefly at the start of World War II. The episode at the bus stop clearly had an effect on Gus, as it did on many men, and within a few days he joined the London Regiment at Buckingham Gate on the 24th of July 1915, aged 19 years. He spent six months training in Richmond Park with the 3rd 16th Londons, a reserve battalion, before being transferred to a new draft of the 1st Battalion, the 16th London Regiment, 
known as Queen's Westminster Rifles. Gus left for France on the 7th of January 1916, via Southampton to Le Havre, on the Connaught and St Pancras transport ships, then by train to Petit-Lurin, west of Arras. The battalion moved into the front-line trenches, with Vimy Ridge to the left and Thalus to the front, until, in February 1916, the Queen's Westminster Rifles joined 169 Brigade of the 56th or 1st London Division, which was reforming in France. In late June, they joined the Somme Front, where with the 46th South Midland Division, the 56th Londons took part in the disastrous diversionary attack on the northern sector of the Somme battlefield at Gomacourt on the 1st of July. According to the battalion history, they were in the third wave of attacks and occupied the first and second line German trenches. They were counter-attacked again during the day and night of the 1st of July and survivors fell back to the British front line, an action which cost them over 500 casualties. Only 198 survivors marched back to billets at Bayancourt, west of Hebuturn and Fonquevillier, on the 2nd of July. Gus was wounded on the first day with a gunshot wound to the right cheek and jaw, although his wounds weren't registered at the field hospital until later in July. He revealed that he'd laid in a shell hole until darkness before trying to get back to the British front line. Tremendous thirst, loss of blood and disorientation meant it took him four hours to cover 300 yards. When he reached the British lines, he was fortunate not to be shot by his own sentries. Gus was sent via field ambulance and clearing station to military hospital based at Le Trepot in France, before being evacuated to England on the 5th of July, where he remained until January 1917. In January he was appointed Lance Rifleman unpaid, before embarking at Southampton on the 16th of January and sailing to Salonika, now known as Thessaloniki, in northern Greece. He arrived on 1st of February to join the 2nd 16th Queen's Westminster Rifles as part of the 60th Division, which had been in the region since November 1916. The Salonika campaign is something of a forgotten part of the Greater War, but a large Commonwealth force fought against the Bulgarians with German support from 1915 to 1918. It was a rocky mountainous region with freezing winter winds or baking summer sun. Many casualties were due to exposure, disease and illness, rather than enemy action. If you are curious to learn more, The Gardeners of Salonika, an August 2021 episode of Matt Dixon's Footsteps of the Fallen podcast, is a good place to start. Or read Under the Devil's Eye by Alan Wakefield and Simon Moody. The Devil's Eye was the soldier's name for the infamous Bulgarian observation post, overlooking the British line at Dwaran. Gus Dewson took part in the first battle of Dwaran and was wounded on the 8th of May 1917, during an assault on Goldie's Hill and the subsequent counterattacks by the Bulgarians. According to his service record, Gus was shot in the left leg and right knee, noted as severe, 
and sent to 28th General Hospital in Salonika from the 16th of May for five weeks. He rejoined his unit in late June, but the 2nd 16th Queen's Westminster Rifles were then sent by ship to Alexandria, arriving on the 22nd of August 1917, as part of the Egyptian and Southern Palestine campaign. In this campaign, Gus and the 2nd 16th fought against the Turkish army group. As the British pushed north, he took part in long marches, at one point covering 90 miles in six days, before joining the battles of Bathsheba, Jerusalem, and later the Third Battle of Gaza. A contemporary map can be seen on the episode extras page of the Those Who Served website. Always in the thick of it, Gus was wounded in action again, on the 9th of December 1917, with gunshot wounds to the head and back. This time he did not rejoin his unit until the 24th of March 1918. His family received no word of his condition, no letters and nothing from the war office. He later reported that, I spent several weeks just sitting and watching the wind blow the sand around. The doctors seemed to think I was recovering well, but I remember very little of that time. Admitted to the Citadel Military Hospital Alexandria, Gus spent two weeks in early May 1918 with severe dehydration and diarrhoea. Finally, his unit left Alexandra on the 17th of June on the HMT Indara, evading a U-boat attack before arriving Taranto, Italy on the 21st of June 1918. From Taranto, the 2nd 16th went to France by train, arriving at Harsbruck on the 1st of July. From here they marched in stages until they reached the Loka sector in Belgium, where they held the line until the 3rd of August. After intermittent periods in the front line, they were relieved on the 20th of August and moved into reserve. Excused further active service, Gus was attached to a demonstration platoon from September until the end of the war. After two weeks home leave in England in early December, he also served as a member of General Plumer's bodyguard until January 1919, accompanying the General on his return home. Gus was discharged from the army on the 8th of February 1919, and despite his service and wounds, he received a Victory Medal, British War Medal and a Letter of Guarantee. The census of 1921 found Gus living with his parents and two brothers, Harry and Leslie, in Tetherdown Road in Muswell Hill, North London. The three Deucen boys had all survived the war, but the toll had perhaps been greatest on Harry. Gus was badly scarred and was described as a bit cut up by his brothers, but Gus was fortunate to return to his old job as a clerk at the Barclays Bank branch in Angel Court, London. In June 1925, Gus married Elsie Miller, also from the Hackney area. He rose through the bank hierarchy and by mid-1930s he was manager of the Finchley branch. He and Elsie moved to a larger house in Dollis Hill. They had no children but played a lot of tennis, golf and were regarded as a highly sociable couple. A picture of Gus in the 1930s in a striped boating blazer taken at the local tennis club can be seen on the episode extras page of the website.
When war came in 1939, Gus was 44. Although he was too old to join up, he became an ARP warden and later part of the Observer Corps. He retired from the bank in the early 1960s and enjoyed a quiet retirement until Elsie died following a short illness in 1985. Gus outlived them all. His brother Leslie died of cancer in 1971 and Harry died in 1977, but Gus lived on. By all accounts, he was an independent chap. Some family members called him feisty, others obstreperous, but in his later years he was looked after by a housekeeper and her adult son. Sadly, as his health deteriorated, it's believed that the housekeeper and her son stripped his home of any valuable possessions he had, including his war medals. A lack of evidence meant that they avoided prosecution, but it was a sad end to a long life. Gus Dewson died in October 1990. I'd like to thank the National Archive, the National Army Museum, the Long Long Trail and the Great War Forum for details of the Queen's Westminster Rifles and some insight into the Salonika and Egypt campaigns. I'd also like to thank the Dewson Family Archive for access to photographs and family recollections. At some point in the future, we'll hear more about the war service of Gus's brother, Leslie. Until next time, thank you for listening to Those Who Served, with me, John Pope. You can show your support for this free podcast by clicking on buymeacoffee.com on the Those Who Served website. All funds are used to cover the costs of research, production and syndication. You can join in with the show by sharing what details you know of a family member or friend who served in a 20th century conflict. Contact me directly by email at info at those who serve .co .uk. Thank you.